0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, okay,
1: Ms. Taylor, is Mr. Koberger prepared to plead to these charges? Runner, you're on standing
0: second. Okay, because uh, Mr. Koberger is standing silent, uh, I'm going to enter not guilty pleas
1: on uh, each charge. Accused killer Brian Koberger had an interesting arraignment by standing silent. Carrie Rawson, the daughter of infamous serial killer BTK, knows about that all too well when her father did the same. She sits down to discuss the similarities and what we should be thinking about with the alleged murderer of the Idaho Four. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law and Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. There is always so much to discuss regarding Brian Koberger, so many twists, turns, odd aspects of the case. And this, of course, is the former Ph.D. grad student who's accused of burglarizing a Moscow, Idaho college house and then murdering four college students inside. Madison Mogan, Zana Kurnodal, Ethan Chapin and Kaylee Gonsalves. And as Koberger was just indicted by a grand jury and arraigned on his five felony charges, and as this case progresses towards trial, we want to get some perspective. And I want to start with a very special guest. I'm joined right now by Kerry Rawson, New York Times bestselling author of A Serial Killer's Daughter, because she is the daughter of Dennis Rader, a serial killer known as BTK who murdered 10 people over the course of 17 years. Kerry, thank you so much for coming on to Sidebar. We really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: One of the reasons we really wanted to have you on is because Koberger, during his arraignment, instead of actually pleading not guilty to the charges that were read against him, he chose instead to stand silent. And the court basically entered the not guilty pleas on his behalf because he didn't say anything. And we were all thinking, you know, why does this sound familiar? Why does this sound familiar? Well, it's my understanding, your father did the exact same thing, right?
0: Yeah. And um it had been a while since I wrote my book. So um I, I'm a best selling author of a serial killer's daughter. And I actually had wrote about my dad standing silent. And then everything going on, I totally forgot that Monday. And so I forgot to tell media, and and then my friend on Twitter is the one that like reminded everybody. So <laughs> my father was arrested in February of 2005. I was notified that he was the BTK serial killer by the FBI. So we knew right away that first weekend he was he was guilty. The FBI called us and told us that my dad was confessing the first nine to ten murders, including two children. They told us they had found souvenirs from the crime scenes in underneath our floorboards, driver's licenses, jewelry, things like that so we knew right away even before the public did that my dad was guilty and so we started writing my dad's letters that spring and saying hey if you're guilty you know you should man up and do the right thing and take the plea and uh my family called him visited him um talked on the phone and so you see these ongoing conversations between my dad and my family and his friends for months my dad was actually trying to decide if he should plead guilty If he wanted a trial, he said he needed to see the evidence and my mom and I were like, what, (laughs) what, you know, you did this. Like, what is it you need to see that they have on you? He was very conflicted, very conflicted by like his duties to his family. He didn't want all this really bad stuff coming out. It all came out anyway. And he was warning us in letters. He's like, all this stuff is going to come out basically like about my father being in bondage and dressed up and all these horrible things he did with his murders. And so we're just learning a little bit about my dad and literally a lot of stuff came out in court after he fled. So mid April, then he's warning us. He says, look, I got an arraignment coming up. Yeah, You know what? I,
1: I, I, I have some of these letters. So if I may, I'll I'll read you Let me read some of them. One was we start on pre arraignment next week on April 19th, the dog and pony show will start media and rest is a mess. Then he goes on to say in a different one, there will be a non-guilty plea at some point that will give us time to review more evidence. At some point, we will make final plea so much for all the legal. And then in another one, arraignment is May 3rd. My attorneys want me to plea not guilty to buy some time to decide our final plea. Bottom line, if I plead not guilty, I'm not selling the family out at at this time. I need time to make a final decision.
0: Yeah, exactly. So we're we're going back and forth and we didn't know what he was going to do. And so behind the scenes, we were working. So he had a team of public defenders and they were in our corner victims supporting us, telling us they would pick us up from the airport, take care of us. Now we didn't go to court, but they kept us in the loop the whole time of what was going on with my father and they, they didn't even really know how to work with him. He was a very difficult defendant, obviously to work with, but they were very patient and kind with him and with my family. And so then on May 3rd, he did stand silent. I think he didn't want it to be on the record that he was not guilty because he knew he was guilty. So he was, like he had wrote us about he was trying to see if he like, qualified for the insanity defense, which of course he didn't. There's a conversation where he was talking to his lawyers. Like, can I get, can I get the insanity defense and be put in like a mental hospital versus prison? and we were having that conversation and I was asking people can my dad take the insanity defense and they're like no he's not insane he knew what he was doing and of course I believe that now but back then I even thought what if there's a death penalty because I didn't know and it wasn't in play at the time for my father's crimes so really my dad was taking us on one of his narcissistic psychopathic rides for months basically trying to figure out what he was going to do and we were begging him, like, please just do, just man up and do it for our family because we were going to have to be on the stand. We would have to testify. I would have yeah. had to testify. Yeah. And so finally, then he did stand silent, I think just because he didn't want it on the record. And then six weeks later, he did take the plea. But we didn't know what he was going to do that day. And I'm not even sure his defense did. And then when my dad did plead guilty to the 10 murders in late June of 2005, he thought all he was going to have to say is, I'm guilty on this offense and the judge was like no no and the judge is like you're gonna have to prove and confess that you did this and so the judge asked him things like like you know on what date what is the address who was the victim and my narcissistic father was really thrown and you can see it on his face and he gets really mad and upset and then he can't even remember all the details like victims names, addresses.
1: And and the the thing that's so curious about it from a legal point of view, whether the defendant says not guilty or has the court enter it on his behalf, it has the same practical effect. And we're trying to understand why would Brian Koberger have chosen to sit to stand silent? And there's been people who said, well, maybe he's trying to open himself up for favorable negotiations because the death penalty could be on the table here. There's no insanity defense in Idaho, so we put that away. That's not on the table for him. Some have been saying, well, maybe he doesn't want the optics of him in court saying not guilty. It doesn't look right that he's trying to fight this. In your experience, based on what you saw with your father, what do you think is going on here with Koberger?
0: Um, I don't know. Based on Koberger's mannerisms, his body, the way he was walking, I understand he probably had a vest on. Um, is he, does he have diminished capacity? And that's maybe something you can talk about. Is there a sort of diminished capacity clause in Idaho from what I'm hearing? versus it's
1: it's 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 like a limit it's limited and i don't think he's gonna go that route based on what we've seen it seems that they're gonna strike at evidence that he didn't do it that you know that they have maybe some exculpatory evidence that he's not the killer (laughs) i just think it's so interesting why a defendant I, i think you're right i think there might be something optics wise so it seems like your father didn't want that on the record he didn't want it on the record that he said not guilty for a variety of different reasons Um, when you see the, what your father did and you see what Koberger did, do you see those similarities?
0: Well, you gotta, my father's a very interesting individual. He's, he, he has rules and morals and standards of his own. He has lines, he doesn't cross. So he, he appeared to be very law abiding, a very strong family man. Um, very like, like OCD with like documents and, and data. To me, Koberger strikes me the same way as somebody with this Ph.D., you know, getting a Ph.D. in like cyber forensics. Like I could tell. So my dad, I don't think to me, it would have been my dad lying and my like my public, the way everybody perceived my father publicly. My father never lied. Of course, he's a pathological Mm -hmm. liar.
1: Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that.
0: So he was just all twisted up and didn't know really what to do. And when my dad stood silent and they told and they put in the non-guilty, he was crying. My father, a psychopathic Mm. murderer, was crying at the end of that because it was bothering him so much. Like I think he maybe just wanted to take the guilty with Koberger. Maybe he just doesn't know if he is going to take a guilty plea. Maybe he like he needs more time. I I don't think he just wanted to put it on the record out of his mouth, and you could tell. If you watched the video, the two minute clip of the judge um, reading off the charges and reading the victim's names and then that long number, Koberger's very mad, like his jaw's popping and his veins are popping. And then when the judge gets the victim's names wrong, it looks like Kohlberger's mouthing Zayna and Kaylee. Like either he's really, really irritated that the judge doesn't know as much as him or like has uh, kind of smeared his, his prize.
1: Interesting. Um, You know, we had a body language expert on uh, our prior sidebar talking about the mannerisms of demeanor of uh, Brian Koberger and what that says. While I have you here, there is another connection between your father and Koberger, and that is that um, I saw this report that your father, who is serving 10 consecutive life sentences, has seemingly expressed some sympathy for Koberger. Um, He said, since I spent from February 2005 to April 2005 in a cell by myself, I know how he feels very lonely, uh, and soon letters started to come in. Uh, I read a lot of the Bible and wrote poetry. I don't know if you had an opportunity to see those comments from your father, but I was curious what you made of that.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I see everything. I've got us both on Google Alerts so I can keep track of what my father's doing. Um, yep. I mean, my, so when my father was arrested, he realized basically the gig was up and that everything was going to come out. And he had a very hard time understanding what had happened because for my father, he always knew he was BTK. So he knew he was BTK and a family man. And he walked around with a secret for 31 years. And so he didn't under he a student of our family just had accepted him. I think he's he's not all there, obviously. And so when we found out, of course, everything changed and he didn't understand what had happened. Like where did my family go? Why aren't they just my family? And then he realized we were the eighth victim family and he was he was very rattled lonely embarrassed depressed suicidal at times those first months and honestly i don't think my father wanted to be in court he's very uncomfortable in court very uncomfortable around law enforcement lawyers you know professionals and he he was no longer in control so when you put somebody like my dad or koburger in court they're no longer in control they have absolutely no control and so maybe koburger standing silent was a little bit of just exerting just a tiny bit of Koberger control.
1: And, and the fact that your father has this sympathy for him and what he's going through.
0: I mean, who, who else would know what it's like to be an infamous? Be accused as an infamous criminal than an infamous criminal. Plus, my dad's That's just trying point. to assert himself back into the media and make himself relevant. But
1: by, by the way, I, I before I let you go, I had to ask you about something. So we know that Koberger uh, before he was arrested, as I mentioned, he was studying criminology and, and he was being taught by Dr. Catherine Ramsland, who's actually the leading authority on the BTK killings. My understanding at the time of this recording, she has still not come out and spoken about the Koberger case. That connection, uh, Dr. Catherine Ramsland, I was curious what you thought about that.
0: Uh, it was a shocker to me. So I was really relieved when Koberger was arrested, um, very relieved on December 30th. And then about 30 seconds later, it started coming out that he was a student under Dr. Ramsland at DeSales University for his master's program, and probably the end of his bachelor's. And then I, my I have PTSD, and it just completely flared up. Um, Just, just awful. Um, Dr. Ramsland co-wrote a book with my father about my father's crimes. They're very close, like colleagues, friends. Um, She goes and visits, calls him. They play chess. So, the fact that. Uh, so-called expert on serial killers, not just my dad, but a so-called expert on serial killers and psychopaths missed one right under her nose. plus I believe um, recommended him for the PhD program in Washington is what the word is. It's not I mean it happens. I mean my dad was under our nose for 30 years so it, it happens. it's just concerning to me and she, she's still she's not doing media, but I think it's probably because the gag or she's going to be called as a witness.
1: Do you, have you heard from her at all?
0: No, we're not in direct touch anymore. We we, gotcha. we don't have an ongoing relationship.
1: Well, listen, I, I think that this is, um, you know, it's a, it's an interesting study with Koberger. It's eerie similarities with your father. Uh, Carrie, I know this is always difficult to talk about. Um, so not only do we appreciate you taking the time to come on Sidebar, but also revisiting these moments in your life. Uh, we really appreciate it. And thank you so much for taking the time.
0: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: All right, everybody, that's all we have for you here on Sidebar. Thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. Speak to you next time.